In this episode of the Talent Cast, I learn what fun is, or something like that. I, it, you, hold on, you'll find out. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Talent Cast. I am your friend and host, James Ellis. Before we get to the actual interesting stuff, or at least the more learned stuff, this is a bit of a commercial. I got the chance to get hooked up with some people who have asked me to put together a series of webinars about employer brand, and I got to pick six amazing people, uh, people who I read and listen to and, and are incredibly impressed by and, and, and honored to who have uh, honored to have agreed to work with me on this. It's a six-part webinar. They're not the usual suspects. Um, they're smart, intense, well-grounded, and certainly very experienced employer brand experts. And I think, given that I won't be the star of these things, I'm just trying to get the most out of uh, these people, and, and I get to host it. That's all I get to do here, which is great for me, uh, and I think great for you. Uh, I really am looking forward to this. So if you want to learn more, and I can't imagine that you wouldn't, you can go to humanresourcestoday.com slash webinar dash series. You know what? That's wordy. So I made a bit.ly, and it's bit.ly slash employerbrandwebinar. That's bit.ly slash employerbrandwebinar. Six-part series going on all fall. Uh, you're definitely going to want to check that out. Okay, so that's the uh, the housekeeping stuff. I want to talk to you about fun. Well, not really. I mean, maybe, sort of, kind of. So if I were to tell you that in your work, what your work needs is more fun, what do you think I mean? I'll take a minute. Go ahead and put your answer in a, in a, in a, in a bottle and throw it in the water. I'll wait for it to come splashing up to my particular bunker retreat here. Um, yeah, when I say fun, what do you think? Do you think I mean let's throw pies in each other's faces? Do you think I mean improv night? Do you think I mean uh, uh, Slap Happy's you know, morning zoo radio crew show? Do you think I mean sketch is comedy? Do you think I mean dunking booths? Do you think I mean random memes? Or every office and every room is, is listed after a meme, which is something I know a company that does, which I think was clever. And then I now I and, and more I think about it, I think is kind of insane and, and kind of hard to deal with. But maybe if you live there, it's, it's a little more manageable. Or when I say fun at work, do you think I mean more intense work, more opportunities to grow, more opportunities to work closely and collaborate with your coworkers and people at other teams. Do you think I mean offsite events in which you um, go bowling, or do you think I mean offsite events in which you brainstorm the future of the company and the projects that are going to move your company into the future? What do you think I mean by fun? Because this isn't an abstract question. I think it's a pretty clear question. And it's actually questions and conversations I'm having in a lot of different places. Uh, people say, we want to make work more fun. 
and they seem to think in their head that it means flappy, you know, you know, slapstick or you know, rubber chickens and uh, clowns and, and and whatever, you know, Shecky Green kind of things. Shecky Green's a really old comedian. I don't know why I'm referencing Shecky Green of all things. Um, that's what you think I mean by fun, or that's what they think I mean by fun. And the funny thing is, if I can use the word fun one more time, is that I don't think that's fun at all. I mean, I'm all for laughing. I mean, I'm love me some 30 Rock. Trust me, my wife and I literally said the other day, goes, if it wasn't for 30 Rock, would we still be together? Because our ability to absorb and repeat watch and quote to each other 30 Rock jokes is kind of insane. I mean, the level and depth to which we get 30 Rock jokes is insane. Tina Fey should be knocking on my door at any point in time and say, you watch this show a lot, according to Netflix. What is up with you? I liked, I love to laugh. I love humor. I love having fun. I'm a human being, right? I love having fun. But I, when I'm at work, I, I, I'm not looking to put up a little stage and not looking to chuck eggs at, at people or um, see how, you know, you know, have kind of intern Olympics and craziness. I'm not looking for funny fun at work. I'm looking for fun at work. I'm looking for getting things done at work and feeling like you accomplished something amazing with your day kind of fun. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, that's, that's real fun. That's exciting. That's fantastic work. For some people, that concept of fun, neither of them, those definitions apply. It's about the opportunity to work with the best technology, the coolest tools. That for them is fun, right? If you're a, you know, a, an engineer and you get to work with a, a I don't know, a, let's maybe a, a material that never existed before. You see that aerogel stuff? It's like frozen fog effectively. It's almost as light as air, but it's solid. And they're going to start figuring out all sorts of different kinds of uses for it. If you're an engineer, a material science engineer, that's got to be fun. I mean, you work your whole life for, to to play with materials, and here's a brand new one that seems to defy the, the laws of physics. That's got to be fun. What if your idea of fun is that you get to stretch your ability to command? Your idea of fun is to make decisions. Your idea of fun is to have status. Your idea of fun is to flex your corporate muscles to some extent. Do you think CEOs, you know, uh, are listening to a lot of George Carlin and uh, Bill Hicks tapes or Maria Bamford uh, on, on Spotify during the day? I think they're laughing that way. No, I think they're having fun at work. And by that, I think they mean they're wielding their the, the, the power granted by their office. That's fun for them. And frankly, anybody who doesn't think that's fun should absolutely not be CEO. What else can be fun? What about learning? Is learning fun? I think it's fun. I think it's intensely fun. So long as I don't feel like I'm falling behind in my workload, I'd love to learn something. Not in that kind of, hey, everybody, we're going to go learn something about each other. Not that's so fun for me. But if you're going to say, look, in the next two weeks, we're going to make you an expert, uh, I don't know, you know, I was going to say balloon animal, but I already actually kind of know how to make balloon hats. So I don't think that's much of a stretch. But, you know, if you're going to teach me something, not in a kind of abstract, we're going to read a book about something and talk about it, but more like, no, we're going to practice it and I'm going to coach you as you do it. So you become an expert at this thing. That sounds like fun to me. And I don't think I'm alone. Think of the people who work at Red Cross. You know what's fun for them? Saving a life. I think, I would assume. I don't think anybody who works for the Red Cross who doesn't think saving a life is fun, even if it's a little scary or a little dangerous, or a little dicey. Getting blood and putting blood in the right place and saving a life, that's why they got out of bed, right? They're having fun. So again, I'm, this isn't an abstract conversation. This isn't completely random. 
I ask this because it makes should make it very clear that when we talk about things like fun, we all mean incredibly different things, right? I think some people, in fact, I know someone at you know who thinks fun is empowering someone else, helping that person find the power in them they didn't know they had. That is legitimately fun for them. They clap their hands at the end of those sessions where they realize, I've really helped someone grow. I hope to goodness my therapist kind of had a smile on her face when I had a breakthrough years ago. It's not happening anymore. This is as good as I'm getting. Yes, that's right. Because I hope that was her idea of fun. Helping me learn, helping me grow, helping me have a breakthrough, empowering me, whatever it was. I hope that's what her idea of professional fun was. At no point did she ask me to put on a crazy wig and honk a horn or put on clown shoes. At no point did she roll down a brick wall, a fake brick wall, and put a spotlight on a single microphone and say, okay, let's do a a stand-up night here at the the Chuckle Hut. Again, 30 rock jokes. They're subtle. You don't always see them. I'm trying to point them out now. I think everybody has a different idea of fun in And so when companies say, gosh, our morale is down, we need to have some fun, the first thing they do is do an off-site and they go bowling or they go connect with Second City. I'm here in Chicago, so that's my first go-to. They go go to Second City or they bring the Second City in with them. And by the way, Second City is great. I know people who work there, think they're fantastic, can't say enough good things about them. Do I want to do improv classes at work? Do I think that's fun? No. If I think that improv class helps build team cohesion and you know increases morale, is that valuable to me? Yeah. Would I call that fun? Eh, not so much. Would I laugh? Very possibly. Would I still call it fun? No, I don't think I would. I don't think that's what fun is. But again, you know why I think that? Because I'm me. And I don't think I'm alone here. I was having a great conversation with somebody just the other day, and we were talking about fun, and I said, look, my concept of fun is doing amazing work. I don't think that makes me psychopathic. Psychopathic? That's not wrong. Psychotic. There's the word I want to look for. I don't think that makes me psychotic. I think that makes me someone who likes to achieve things and complete things and get things done. I think that makes me me. I think that's inherent to who I am. Now, my wife, again, to quote my wife a little too much in this podcast, thinks I'm pretty funny. I make her, I can make her laugh, and she can make me laugh, and we have a lot of fun together in a different kind of way. Why am I bringing this up? Because I think the concept of fun at work is incredibly illustrative of the different people who come to work and why they come to work. I think this puts a stark relief of exactly what talent wants. Yes, that's right. I got a title. I'm only like 10 minutes into this, maybe even more. Yeah, 10 minutes. Oh, stuck the landing. Um, that's what talent wants. I think talent wants to, in a certain way, have fun. But if I said, what does talent want? Talent wants fun. They want to have fun. Everybody's going straight to improv night. Everybody's going straight to uh, you know, live the improv. Everybody's going to go open the chuckle hut You're in the, in, at work to ha- make sure everybody has fun. Now, developers, if you know any, true coders, they have incredible amounts of fun, but their concept of fun is a little more quiet because they've got headphones on, they're staring at a screen, and they're typing like crazy, and it's the world just disappears. They are just entering the zone. That's fun for them. There's a great book by Mikhail, last name I can't pronounce. It's insane. I'll throw it in the show notes, about the concept of flow, and it's this idea that... um, you feel best at work and you feel like you are accomplishing and achieving the most at work when 
you are being challenged, but not challenged so much that it's an impossible task. So if you asked me to sort this pile of, of, of letters in, you know, from in, by color, that's a boring task. That's a rote task. I'm going to be unchallenged. I'm going to find it insanely boring. It's going to feel like it takes forever. If you then said, okay, you want to be challenged, fine. How about you lift this building? I'm, yeah, it's impossible. I'm going to feel frustrated either way. Now, if you give me a challenge like, look, I'm going to give you six interviews and I want you to try and define what you think the employer brand is and how, based on existing information, you would try to uh, establish and communicate it out internally and externally, that's a challenge. And that's a challenge I cannot wait for. I love, I live for that challenge. That's a powerful challenge. And as I'm doing it, as I'm listening to the interviews, as I'm taking notes, as I'm kind of letting things bounce around in my head, I enter flow, the concept of flow. These are things I can do, but they're still hard to do. They take processing time, but it's not so hard that I feel like it's an impossible task. It's a wonderful position to be in. When you're a developer and you're doing something you know you can figure out, but you've never done it before and you've got to figure it out, that's a, that's a level of flow. It's fantastic. For a lot of developers, I'm not saying all, for a lot of developers, <clears throat> that's their idea of fun, to find that flow state. That is what that talent wants. What does an engineer want? I mean, a mechanical or civil or architectural engineer want? I don't know. Maybe their idea of fun is that last day. That last day when the project's up, it's physical, it's standing, it's a bridge, it's a building, it's a road, it's a, I don't know, it's a bus you know, thing uh, you sit in waiting for a bus. I don't know. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the moment of achievement. It's the moment of saying, there it is. I made decisions. We made decisions. We made choices along the way. And that is the final outcome. That is the sum total of all those decisions being made. And that's what it is. Interesting because it wasn't necessarily exactly what I thought it would be. Maybe that's fun for them. Maybe that fun is the fact that they did it together with a team. Maybe that fun was something about the kind of technology they used, or the materials they used, or how fast they did it, the feeling of achievement they had. Maybe that's their idea of fun. Now, I could do these examples all day long. My mail carrier, Donna, hey, Donna, I only know her name, and I'm not a guy who, you know, really is incredibly social personally, but I have an almost three-year-old child who is the most social butterfly that ever was. She is... Uh, everything that I am not. Somehow she has my face and cute. So I don't know how that happened and what happened there. It means I was that close to being cute and I'm not. Anyway, she is the most gregarious human being that ever walked the face or waddled the face of the earth because she's still toddling. Um, she knows my, my, my mail person, my mail carrier's name. My mail carrier loves my child. Donna loves my kid. Thinks it's hilarious. I think that's what my mail carrier thinks is fun, getting to know the people on her route. Her job is fairly straightforward. I'm not denigrating in any way, shape, or form. She delivers mail. She sorts and delivers mail. She carries it to the right people's boxes. It's a straightforward job. What she has to find fun in it is getting to know people because I don't know that she would find it fun to sort packages or sort letters. Maybe she does. I don't know. I don't know her that well. Donna, if you, you don't listen to this, so write in. Um, everybody has a different sense of fun because everybody's different. And that's really what talent wants, something different. And I think when we get to this concept of how do we attract talent, what we do is we take ourselves, we take our own motivations, and we take the things that we care about and the things that we want to think about and things that we want to achieve and say that must be what everybody wants to achieve. And you're 100% wrong, just wrong, It at best. 15% of any given population wants what you want. 
15%. Because there's so many different kinds of motivations. There's the desire to achieve. There's the desire to make money. There's the desire to work with a team seamlessly and smoothly. Yes, that's literally a desire. I swear, to, I, to me it sounds like I, I, I'm, I'm saying words in English, but it doesn't sound like anything meaningful. It sounds like I'm uh, learning to dance from a series of still pictures. It doesn't really matter. And that was an Elvis Costello reference. Um, I, I like to point these out. I just like to. Um, there's, there's something wrong with me. You've all figured that out by now. I think people love, there, are, there are people out there who love to work with teams. If you've done a disc assessment, there's that steady state pe- pe- person who I don't understand at all. They're, the antithet- and they're completely antithetical to everything I am. And man, I love it when they're good at their job because they make my life so much easier. They allow me to be the pure straight-up D that I know I am. And yes, you may joke and laugh and chuckle about that. Lord knows we have because it's true. But people who are motivated by team, they're motivated by support for one another. They're motivated by the technology and innovation they're using and creating. They're motivated by a value or mission. Again, that Red Cross person saving a life. It's not that they made the most money. I don't think they don't get paid. I think they get paid. In fact, I know they get paid. But it's not about that. They could make money other lots of places. And they chose the Red Cross because they want to save a life. And they, at some level, they feel good about that. That's fun. Some people are all about how do I grow myself. Some people are all about how do I help grow other people. Some people are all about how do I advance my own career. Yes, this is not the last job I'm going to have. This is a stepping stone to something else, something I have a bigger goal in mind. I'm going to find joy and happiness in what could be considered a slightly lower task because it is a stepping stone to something else. Tom Peters always said, always said as if we're always hanging out and we're not, but he's been saying this for a very long time in his books and, and webinars and stuff and classes and stuff you find on YouTube, is that you want to achieve something, go get a project that no one else wants and blow it out of the water. No one wants to manage the corporate picnic. Take it and make it the most amazing opportunity for everyone to learn and grow and achieve more. You, no one wants to manage the figure out what the new email system needs to be because it's an insanely complicated, messy task and, and without any obvious outcome benefits and no glory to anybody. Great. Take it and show everybody what it can be. You're so damn good. You think you're so damn good and you complain that you don't get those opportunities. Take them. Take the lowest, least, least interesting and least glory-filled opportunity and show them what you can do. That's how opportunities get created. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. That's what people want. They want opportunity, among other things. So when we say things, when we ask the question of what does talent want, the answer is they want all those things in different orders, in different varying weights. I don't think anybody doesn't want to get paid. Everybody likes to get paid. 
But if we equate what talent wants to a dollar sign, you're wrong for the most part. Not completely, because there are some incredibly mercenary people who are incredibly talented who are just there for the paycheck. You look at the Valley right now, again, I'm thinking of the Blind app and people complaining about or at least choosing a role based on $5,000 between two different roles. They talk about company A and company B, and it's $5,000 between them. And not, we're not talking about the difference between fifty and 55000 which it's a st significant amount of money on the table here relative to what the total is. I'm talking about they're making one hundred and fifty, or, or they're making, you know, they're choosing between one hundred and fifty and one hundred fifty-five thousand a year. That's a rounding error at that point. They don't talk about the companies are. They just want the dollar figure. Who cares if the $5,000 more means that they're going to work at the worst company they could ever conceive of? It doesn't matter to them. All they're motivated is by the dollar amount. Now, personally, leaping and jumping, painting with a broad stroke and leaping to conclusions, I think that's somewhat immature positioning. I think I'd rather take 150 to company love than 155000 from a company I don't love, but I'm old and I've gotten my ass kicked many times, and I've learned things. And maybe... Maybe I'm 100% wrong in that statement. Maybe that person is so focused on the dollar amount that they don't care where they work. It's about how do I make more. That is 100% what they focus on. But again, going back, when we talk about how do we attract and how we drive and how do we hire talent, we, say, we ask ourselves usually subconsciously or sub, you know, subtextually what does talent want. We always focus on the money, and it's wrong. You can't always focus on the money. Money is, is, a, is, a, is a drag. You, if you don't offer enough money, people will walk away. True. True. If you can't offer a CEO enough money to just pay their mortgage, they're not going to take the job. They're just not. And that's true of the entry-level worker, the senior manager, and the CEO. If, you can't, if they, that person can't pay their bills to do the job and they're good at anything, they will find someone who can afford to help them pay them. So I'm not saying money doesn't matter because money absolutely matters. It's just not the must necessarily the first or the only thing of significance. Now, if you assume if we assume that you're paying enough to get their mortgage and rent paid and put food on the table and maybe put a couple of shekels in the in the kitty for a rainy day and you make that person feel like, "Okay, I'm not rich, but I'm comfortable. I don't have to, I'm not worried as so much about any given day about having enough money." That one day if I'm walking down the street and I see a nice pair of kicks that I like and I'm like, I'd like to have a new pair of shoes and I'm not going to worry about, do I, can I buy them this week? I feel like I have a little buffer. Now, if you're offering that, the next question has to become, what really motivates you? And it's one of those concepts. Now, there are plenty of ways people kind of break down those different motivations. I know one company does things like its career and performance and status and innovations and values and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a way of doing it. And I'm sure if we've got a couple of psychologists in here and a, maybe a couple of sociologists in here, we broke it all down. We have a couple of different ways of breaking that down to see what are the motivations of any given worker. Heck, go internally and list, go find a, a, a series of, um, 50 motivating words, right? Go to a thesaurus or go to a, I don't know, there's a number of personality tests that do this sort of thing. And just say, look, here's 50 words, money, power, fame, glory, togetherness, belonging, uh, innovation, technology, tools, achievement, building something, launching something, uh, work-life balance is a great one. You go, let's find them all and ask everybody who works for you, hey, Pick your top five. Go nuts. And then when they come in, you break them out. And you're going to see that 
teams and people are different, that what one person is motivated by is going to be work-life balance and what another person is motivated by is going to be their ability to uh, run up the career ladder. And that's okay. But I think what you're likely going to find is that team by team will start to have very similar answers. You'll notice that one team that works crazy hours is not motivated by work-life balance. The people who wanted work-life balance and might be have read in Glassdoor that your company was all about work-life balance joined a team in which work-life balance didn't exist because these people were all motivated by putting a dent in the universe and building something that's never been made before and they're willing to work 12 and 14 hours a day to achieve it and who the hell what's a weekend I don't know what you're talking about let's go 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 together we'll figure it out and together we'll do something that's never been done before you're going to find that their motivations do not include the word work-life balance but the team right next to it that goes home at 5 five thirty every day that doesn't check their email on the weekends who take every second of their vacation time, whatever that is, you're going to find they might be. Same company, two different teams, two different managers. Interesting. Because what happens is, is teams generally tend to be defined by their managers. So let's say you're a manager and you've got a team of five and it's growing or changes or, you know, these things happen. People leave, people come in. It's a rotating cast of characters because this is the 21st century and it's not the millennials that move. It's everybody that moves. You've got to find more people. And what do you find? You tend to find, because this is a this is one of the glue laws that hold the universe together, like attracts like. If you like to be a workaholic bastard, you tend to hire other workaholic bastards. This is why diversity is such a complicated issue, because it's hard for people to see that people who look and sound and act completely different to themselves can actually be productive. Because if I'm a workaholic bastard and I see you're clocking out at 5 o'clock every day, I might get flummoxed and vexed and other words that have X's in them. And I might be like, that person's slacking off. Are they? Are they achieving just as much as someone who's working 12 hours a day? Maybe they're just that good. But it's hard because I measure things how I measure things. I measure things by what I value, not by necessarily other people. And that's the problem. When we say things like, what does talent want? We go, what do I want? And that must be what the world wants. And you're wrong. So when we ask, how do we attract the right kind of talent? That's why I continue to talk about the concept of segmentation. What does the company or team or role require? What are the motivations that matter to that job? So I'm going to go on death row. You know what I don't want? I don't want a lawyer motivated by work-life balance. Just don't. Call me crazy. Don't want that. If, I, if I'm on the operating table, I do not want a doctor motivated by glory per se. Maybe I want a doctor who focuses on empowering other people to achieve more or is focused on team or is focused on innovation and he or she has an amazing potential solution to my problem. Maybe I don't want someone, a doctor who's focused on how much money can I eke out of this person's insurance. When I want a developer, and I want a job done now, and I have the money to pay them, and I can even offer them a bonus for finishing that job perfectly and ahead of schedule, you know what I want? I want a developer who either gets the mission I'm trying to do or is motivated by money and wants that bonus and will work twice as hard to achieve that bonus. You've got to align the job and the need and the requirement to the motivation. 
You know what's amazing about this whole conversation? At no point did I mention what you should look for in terms of skills because that's bull. And that's another podcast I want to get to because it's slightly separate but it's connected. So maybe I'll just, you know, earmark that that's what the other conversation will be in the next podcast. But we're talking about the motivations, the underlying this is what people want. My mom, who I think this is the second or third time I've referenced my mom in this podcast series, who I know does not want listen to this podcast again. My mom says when and I'm 44 years old, so this doesn't really apply to me anymore, but it was interesting at the time. Says the reason her marriage has lasted so long, and they're kicking on about 50, and coming on 50 years soon, is that despite the fact that on the surface she and her husband, you know, dad, um, work, despite the fact that even on the surface they make no sense at all, they came from very different backgrounds, they have socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, they had different experiences, they valued lots of different things. What was under the surface and some of the previous young experiences they had as a kid is what turned them and helped them focus their motivations and made them who they are. That's what mattered. The fact that their grandparents were all alcoholics and they saw some shit and they had to deal with their own shit at a certain kind of age because their parents really weren't around to kind of be parents made them people who connected on a deep level. Their motivations were aligned. Right? If you see a couple and one of them wants a lot of kids and one of them is terrified of kids, those motivations aren't in alignment. How long do you think that couple lasts? Right? Same thing with a job and a person, an employee. If their motivations do not align, how long can they stick around? If I am being offered a lot of money to work for, let's call the Trump campaign, someone I really don't really want to work for or help, how hard do you think I'm going to work for them? Do you think their mission, if, if my mission and their mission don't align, how great am I going to be for them? Regardless of how much money they may offer me, it's not going to work. Once you go and offer money beyond that kind of threshold of rent and mortgage and you know putting a couple shekels in the bank and food and all that stuff, how much more motivating is that? I had a conversation with someone we talking about referral bonuses, and I said, okay, what's the difference? Do you think if I offer an employee referral bonus of $1,000 or $1,500, do you think moving from one to the other I'm going to get more referrals? One would think if I was an economic, econ, economics major or an economist that that would be a very simple supply and demand kind of thing where because there's more money on the table, you would increase the number of – you know, you've increased the price, therefore the, the supply would increase, except it's not particularly elastic product, meaning you only know three people who would be good for that company. If $1,000 wasn't going to move the needle and get you to uh, recommend them or refer them, would 1500 Would 10000 Maybe. Maybe that's a threshold, but that's a huge difference. Moving it a little doesn't really change the fact. It's really not about – because you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it to bring people in. The same with salary. Once you pay their basics, once you get their Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for most people, putting a little more money is nice, but it doesn't make it work any harder. Now, for 10, 15, 20% of the people who are all money-based, that's exactly what they need. But you got to know who you have. That's why I hate companies that just hand out raises – and don't ask the employee, what do you really want? Because that's bull. And this isn't, and I know this is coming from my time with a union, and it kind of, <laughs> I did not enjoy being within a union myself. That's not who I am as a person. I think they're valid concepts in this country. Absolutely. It's just not my thing. But when my boss says, oh, yeah, by the way, you got an X percent raise, and they don't ask me what I wanted, and I've done amazing work, and I've achieved amazing things, and they say they think that when they say, hey, you got X percentage of raise, 
they think they're doing me a favor. They think that's a pat in the back, but they didn't ask me what I really wanted. doesn't feel connected. Maybe I don't want any more money. Maybe I want budget for my team. Maybe I want an opportunity to go speak or an opportunity to go learn or anything. I want my name on the door. What do I want? What is the thing that's going to motivate me? And companies who think it's all about the money, they throw money and they give raises and bonuses and they think that's all you need. Wrong. You're 100% wrong. You don't know what talent wants. And because you're not recognizing what talent wants or asking to find out what that particular talent wants, you're asking them to leave. That's what talent wants. They want to be heard, and they want to be understood, and they want you to respond to their motivations because their motivations are not your motivations. All right, that's all I got. Like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a froggy in my throat, as my small child would say. Uh, one more reminder that WebRunner series I, like, I'm legitimately excited for. Um, employer brand, we- uh, I'm sorry, bit.ly slash employer brand webinar. Looking forward to that. And there's another thing on the horizon for CareerArc. I'm doing a webinar for them coming up soon. I will let you know as soon as we have nailed down the details there. And I'm going to be at Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in San Francisco in February. So if you're thinking about a conference about social recruiting, I highly recommend that one. If for no other reason than you get to see me and heckle me from the stage. I I don't want you to, but you certainly could. Uh, You're a human being and you have free will and that's the way that works. So thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, leave a uh, review. I I love those. I really do appreciate those. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. And I'm on the wrong tab, so I have got to find the tab I'm on so I can hit stop recording. Good night, everybody.